Hi, welcome to the Creative Review Podcast. I'm Eliza Williams, and for today's podcast, I'm lucky enough to be in sunny Cannes, where the great and good of the world's ad and tech companies have descended for the annual Cannes Lions Festival of Creativity. Today, I'm joined by two top creators from the Droga 5 network, David Colbush, who's the CCO of the Droga 5 London office, and Neil Heyman, who's the CCO of the New York office. Droga 5 is, of course, renowned for its creative advertising, which has already seen the agency pick up some of the top awards here in Cannes for its work for the New York Times. Today, we're going to chat about the awards, and we're going to talk about the challenges of making great creative advertising today. Welcome to the show, David Neil. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks very much. You're very welcome. I thought to sort of start off, uh, if you've worked in the ad industry, it can sort of mean something quite specific. If you're not in the ad world, I think it can sometimes feel a little bit of a mysterious thing. So I thought maybe we could just talk a bit about what you think, how you would describe can to maybe someone who doesn't work in advertising, and also sort of why it feels important to you guys. So, Neil, why don't you start? Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is really a bizarre microcosm of the industry in a lot of ways. I think from the outside looking in, can represents in in many ways the highest level of achievement within our industry you know i've heard people describe it as the oscars of advertising and that kind of thing but when you're here on the ground it's it's quite uh, a surreal insane experience in a lot of ways here in this beautiful location uh so many people talking about these things that kind of keep us up at night and and busy every day but ultimately, I think we're all trying to figure out what comes next for our industry. That's can is always like a great snapshot of where things are at and uh, a chance for everyone to kind of process en masse where we're heading next. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sort of trade show element to it as well, in a way, with, along with being the awards. But David, what do you think? How's it for you? I was interpreting the question slightly differently, like that, that, that whole, like, if you had to explain to a group of aliens right. what the thing yeah, yeah. was. Or something like that, but uh, I was trying to be as reductive as possible. I was going to do the Oscars thing, but now I guess you can't. It's stolen. But I mean, I guess not everyone necessarily knows or cares about the Oscars because it's not necessarily relatable to their everyday life. So perhaps taking even a further step back, if you're like, it's like, it's like employee of the month. <laughs> but if, but if someone makes a really big deal, it's like, it's like wow, that's um, an amazing accomplishment. And and then I guess to continue with the analogy, and then they're like, so what are you gonna do next month? And, and they're like, well, I guess I'm gonna try and be employee of the month again. And here's how. Yeah. So that's probably the more reductive. Yeah. Way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like those little badges they hand out at a, when you're working at a fast food place. Is that what we're getting at? I, yeah, I So many industries have their own award shows now, don't they? I mean, like, yeah, often like, here, actually. Yeah. I always find it kind of funny. We think of Cannes being, I guess, obviously film, but also ads and yeah. porn is the other obviously yeah. big one. But I think there's masses there's, of shows come through here. It's yeah. like... It's like um, like riveters have their own award shows. Like if there's the best best carpeting, like because everyone loves to feel celebrated and everyone loves to feel like they're doing a good job. And uh, there's evaluative metrics are kind of part of our society and how we we deem who is um, the best or the I don't know, 
to say the worst. There's no awards for the worst people. Well, there's yeah. the Razzies. That would be that, yeah. we're, back, we're back to Hollywood again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those as awards are really well put together. They're riveting. <laughs> oh, I didn't. That wasn't just oh, for that tits. joke. Yeah. <laughs> and so, how with this, you're being sort of a, a little flippant, which is great, but uh, it's still important to win, presumably, right? Because we're just to say we're on. Uh, Thursday of a week, so not all the awards have been announced, but mm-hmm. you guys have already won, is it one or two Grand Prix and probably lots of other golds and things already for various bits of work. Yeah, Dragon 5 won a Grand Prix on Tuesday night for yeah. Filmcraft, the, the work for the New York Times. Um, and yeah, as, as flippant as we're being, I guess, you know, the advertising industry can uh, be very self-critical as well as as self-celebrating as we are this week but in all seriousness something like that can really affect you know the fortunes of the agency you work at change people's careers you know it 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 is evidence that you're you know what you're doing i guess to to boil it down to the the simplest term so it, it it kind of highlights the fact that you do know what you're doing to the industry and in some cases the world yeah. and uh, you know that can raise your profile get you more business a different job yeah. that kind of thing and lots of clients come now right so it's in the past it felt much more about production and the ad industry whereas now it's actually a, a kind of business client thing so presumably it's important for them to see your work being awarded to right for sure and just to clarify earlier I wasn't being flippant I was just trying to um be as reductive as you'd asked us to be, yeah. Eliza. I was merely answering the damn question in the simplest <laughs> And then I criticised. Obviously, yeah, no, no, it's, it's fine. Yeah, no, you're being very witty, but it's, there's this sort of balancing act, doesn't there, between no, it's, the it's, um, it's importance it's to great. actually be successful here. And yeah, this, for yeah. sure. It means a lot to clients, and they, they, they love it, and it, it, it kind of, it's validation that, uh, that superior creativity um, works on some, uh, some grander level, and I suppose maybe even more so in the present I think because I think a lot of the work that now wins weirdly it's sort of a self-selecting the things that kind of get written about or have the most buzz uh, tend to be the ones that um, uh, capture uh, the zeitgeist and uh, actually um, uh, worm their way into people's lives so you, more often more than like 10, 15, 20 years ago you see that the stuff that wins is the stuff that people actually know about yeah Rather than kind of the uh, the insider favorites. Yeah, I think this that's very true this year. Right? I feel like yeah. So I mean, like mm-hmm. it's it's just nice to see that uh, when when uh, great creativity wins, it's often the stuff that that works and the stuff that's out there in the world. Mm-hmm. So and yeah. that's great for clients. Yeah, yeah. Is it a challenge on that note then? Now, uh, is it a challenge for clients to see the value of creativity? I mean, that, has that always been the case? No, I think I think we need to give clients a little more credit than that. Mm-hmm. I think there's always there's always going to be good clients and there's always going to be bad clients. And some clients are are going to see advertising as purely transactional, and the, there's no reason to have any any deeper um, sort of um, uh, benefits to the work other than I need to meet these sales figures, and so I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Uh, but I, I think that the good clients will always see that there's greater value in. Uh, in uh, Winning the hearts and minds of uh, consumers uh, into perpetuity. 
Okay. You don't think data has become this thing where people are measuring furiously and is that affected? I mean, it, it definitely has. I, I think the, the funny thing about data is it, it's such a double-edged sword at, at times for us, especially as creatives, where uh, it feels like we're being encouraged and the, there's so much value in integrating data and insights, you know, which are ultimately human insights ab about behavior into our creative process. And, and it actually has a huge impact in the work that we're doing. And somehow that switch can get flipped very quickly once the work's actually out in the world. Yeah. And we're very, we can be very quick to punish ourselves with data, <laughs> where if, it, if it's not getting results immediately, it can create this kind of sense of crisis, which is very unhelpful, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, you know, really, I think that's the the challenge moving forward because it's not it's not something that is going to go back to before this kind of era of measurability but how if we can crack the code on how we can embrace that and actually use it to make the work better and more effective and actually connect with people on that human level then that that's where it's really going to uh, you know, infuse some power into our work rather than just kind of being measurement for where it's failing. Yeah. It should be me measuring where we're breaking through also. Yeah, there's something sort of in what you described there, but this sort of the danger of being short term is because presumably say with the New York Times campaign, I mean, it's been running for a while in different mm -hmm. ways. And I mean, is there a sense where a client like the New York Times sort of recognises that actually the results of a campaign like that might take quite a long time to to bear fruit and it's not just how many likes or shares you get in the yeah change. absolutely i mean the new york times is such an interesting case especially in terms of how important context is to what we do you know i think we started working with the new york times just prior to the last u.s election and uh i guess it's in in the simplest terms the stakes were much lower uh, as soon as that election happened, things changed very dramatically and there was a level of importance around their product uh, on a societal level that was, you know, at the forefront of everyone's minds. And so really our job then becomes to, to illustrate and amplify just how important that is. You know, I think the the evolution of, of it over the last few years has been really interesting to the point where we're now able to actually prove out why you should pay for quality journalism, yeah. you know, which was always the challenge, but uh, the urgency wasn't there up until, you know, the, the kind of escalating, uh, you know, society, societal shifts that we've been going through. Yeah. Uh, so to be able to take that and actually use the media and their media channel as the subject matter to promote their media channel is this kind of really uh, uh, almost meta fusing of media and and advertising and content into yeah. the one thing which i think you you see here a lot as well you know when you talk about clients and agencies and media channels in many cases it's all all the one thing now yeah and actually, it's a, it's a kind of creative use of all those things together is what makes something 
sun up because we've seen that I guess in the Nike work that's been winning the dream crazy work has sure. been winning big here I mean is that when you're looking at the awards do you feel envy or, or how do you feel about the other winners no it's just kind of but that's me personally. Yeah, yeah. I can't speak for Neil. Neil's bitterly envy. Trying to hide it on my face. It's, <laughs> no, it's nice to see other good work winning. Um, mm -hmm. It's just nice to see good work. I, I, I don't really have much of a jealous gene. So it's when, when good creativity wins, it's nice to see uh, good work winning. I, I suppose the only thing that ever irks me is when I think that, uh, see, when I see something that I think believed to be substandard winning. Yeah. Um, that's, that bothers me more. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There often seems to be a sort of seriousness to a lot of the work that wins these days in the last few years. Certainly. Mm -hmm. The other thing that, that does sort of bother me a little bit is, I guess, and this is speaking to my earlier point about how, um, everything that wins is rather zeitgeisty. I think you get some smaller brands getting lost in the shuffle sometimes. And yeah. There's, uh, you, you see little bits of work because a jury doesn't necessarily know it or it hasn't been written about enough. It's, it's, that's the kind of thing that I sort of mourn mm -hmm. about the, uh, well, from, from uh, uh, decades gone by, is the, the chance for those little guys to, to, to punch through and achieve something um, yeah, it's true. You would often get something that you like, that you would never have seen before, yeah. and actually mm -hmm. was brilliant. It doesn't happen as much because it, it, sometimes it can make it to a shortlist, but for some reason, because it doesn't have the the, the uh, big media budget or all the eyeballs on it, it's considered lesser. Yeah. Um, but sometimes those smaller accounts can be just as difficult. Uh, yeah. We've we've had some. We're we're doing uh, good work for for bigger brands now because in our our. The London office's growth cycle would hit a point where we're starting to work with, with bigger people. But in, in years gone by, I've seen some work that uh, I like uh, as much as the work we're being celebrated for now. And it, it, it never really rose to the occasion, or not past shortlist. And I, I refuse to accept the fact that it's because it was lesser. <laughs> and I don't think it's me who's being delusional. I've had other people corroborate this. But again, this might be me being delusional because other people are trying to make me happy. Who knows? What I notice, and this is something, David, that we've, you've written about for us at Great View, uh, is like this seriousness thing, this thing that um, I feel like it, it would be unusual for a kind of comedic piece of advertising to win one of the Grand Prix awards here now because I feel I mean we do li obviously we live in quite serious times and I mm -hmm. think advertising is reflecting that certainly the New York Times work probably would be a kind of slightly odd twist if you went down a hugely comedic route sure. but you know who knows but there's work that you've been doing out of the London office that's been very funny and very and I feel it never maybe this is, and it's for big brands so it's, yeah. not, uh, it's not like it's a small piece of work but I feel are we just not at a time where the industry wants to sort of be light-hearted about anything or I think that's probably a little bit fair I mm -hmm. think I think uh, both offices I think have suffered a little bit I don't think I mean Crocodile Dundee did well sure. but I don't think it did as well as it perhaps should have by virtue of the fact that it, it's played for laughs where something mm -hmm. that's a little bit more serious a little bit more air quotes important uh, kind of uh, yeah, punches yeah. through. Yeah. It's, just, it's just the age in which we live, isn't it? Yeah, and I guess the, the Oscars analogy holds true in this yeah. one as well. You know, there is kind of a, a sense of doing something important with the skills that we have. And yeah, oftentimes that 
that does come across as serious. It's it's really it to go back to your previous question about the role the brand plays in all of this. Some brands just need to be serious, and some brands can't be serious. And I think a lot of what's being rewarded this year is the these brands that are more reflective of the the social time that we're in. Yeah. How about with the people on the ground, though? It's like not talking about awards. Do you think humor still kind of packs a punch? If those, I was thinking of like the the Barclays stuff you've been doing, mm-hmm. which is very funny and quite for a bank, quite um, anarchic almost. I don't know, irreverent or whatever. And uh, but does that, so is that cutting through? Does that have an effectiveness with um, with people? Like, it's funny. It's like it's 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 always. Um, uh, what clients want versus what creatives want. There's always a little bit of a disconnect, isn't it? So sure. I, I think the, the kids, the, the people who are, uh, the, the irony is that all the people who um, uh, clients are, are targeting uh, want to make funnier things <laughs> and, and uh, more irreverent bits of work, but, uh, but at the same time, the clients are buying more serious, important work. So there's yeah. a little bit of a dissonance there. Okay. It's kind of funny. So it can be harder to convince someone that to, to actually playing for last will actually be quite effective. Well, yeah. depends. Maybe it lacks a bit of gravitas. I can see the appeal of the people like people. to people like to stand for something. Yeah. yeah. These days, which is not a bad thing, but I think that um, uh, I think we need to be a little bit more flexible about um, what purpose means and yeah. the fact that you can stand for it. Your purpose can be have have a bit of levity to it, mm-hmm. and that's still just as valid. Yeah, I mean, your purpose needs to be some something that feels right coming with your logo next to it, you know, and I don't know, I think to me, the the kind of great level of between, you know, the comedy discussion and the kind of earnestness discussion is what feels most genuine to the human experience of that product. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I think the work you guys have been doing for Amazon over in in yeah, London and for the US yeah. now is such a great example of that because it's extremely funny but it's the humor is coming from such a relatable human place that speaks so directly to how people experience those products and services and um, you know there's just a, a truth to it that is kind of I think more reflective of where comedy's at these days as well you know it's less artificial it's more just kind of tapping into those little moments that that feel real to us. Yeah, it's quite subtle, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course, because that's also been doing. You're known for your so. subtlety, David. Okay. Known for my subtlety. <laughs> 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 yeah. well, from dress sense down to how I comport myself. Um, yeah. Now the Amazon work's been doing well this week, um, so we're all obviously thankful for that. Yeah. But you know, it's like the interesting thing is. Uh, Regardless of what wins uh, on the day in the year, ultimately time is the it's the greatest judge. You know? Yeah. Um, it's 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 never, yeah. In the end, it's it's about what you remember ten years from. from yeah, now. it's true, isn't it? Yeah. We did a piece in the mag about um, the Skittles, which is still a campaign that's kind of got going on and has mm-hmm. had a big, sort of interesting iteration this year, but. We interviewed the guys who did uh, the what well, is fifty? They're fifteen years ago now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Scott and Ian. Ian. Oh, yeah. Scott and Ian. Oh, they were the yeah. CDs. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so the bunny and yeah. and it's sort of interesting that 
15 years on actually is enough time to sort of see, well, okay, that was a kind of moment, but you do mm -hmm. need that gap. I mean, do you think advertising does that enough? Though I often feel like everything's the race forward and people don't reflect a huge amount in the, in the ad industry. They don't, people don't seem to keep stuff. You don't see that many books that look back at work. And I don't know, do you think we do that enough? The industry? I think we used to be better at it, I suppose. Annuals used to, to people used to keep mm -hmm. annuals on the Annual shelves. Sense, and, yeah. yeah, I think, uh, uh, but yeah, maybe there's a little bit less of that now, but I think it's probably a symptomatic of the age in which we live. I think if, uh, mm -hmm. if our job is to kind of uh, reflect it in a way, try and shape culture, but ultimately we are reflecting culture to appeal to people's sensibi sensibilities in the moment. I mean, it makes sense that the, the way that we uh, look at our past will evolve with. Uh, the yeah, way the way technology changes. It's true. Yeah, it's less about books maybe now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is funny though that that sense of like that one image living on is something that I think, regardless of you know the twenty four hour news cycles and the you know this kind of extremely short attention span uh, world that we're living in, the, there's still the power of that one image to to breakthrough like obviously the the most uh clear example of that this year was the Colin Kaepernick yeah uh image that you know is beyond just advertising it's a cultural moment but when you even bringing up you know the Skittles work for something mm. completely different you still remember those freeze frames those you know the the almost still images of you know a the guy sitting there with the desk was turned into a pile of Skittles and, you know, yeah. like it, it, that single image can, can really resonate and, you know, finding, finding that way to have that really effective communication is, is the ongoing challenge. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It is all about the, the iconography in that yeah. single image, isn't it? I was just, I, I'm thinking just, it, it's all, anything famous is always down to kind of, um, one freeze frame moment there was um what was that i was walking past um a bus shelter the other day it seems like a, there's quite a large media buy that sprite have done recently they brought back fido dido sure oh my goodness yeah do you remember that, that? yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's kind of everywhere now and it's just kind of so <laughs> interesting that that something that, that's as long dormant as that little squiggly cartoon character just kind of reappears and all of a sudden you have all these <laughs> memories and feelings of a different age but it still is relevant and you still are warm to it because of yeah. uh, its ubiquity at the time so. yeah yeah I always wonder with that though like it, does it work if you didn't know it the first time around maybe it would with that because it's still kind of a nice I don't know thing. I suppose sales figures will uh... yeah yeah let's get the data <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> get the what data because like they did the Hovis ad was re uh, re-released recently the boy on the bike sure really soft. and uh with that, I mean, I was sort of shocked to realise that that was actually like 45 or 46 years old or something. It was like early 70s. And, uh, mm -hmm. But I think that maybe has that longevity part because it always seemed to come up on endless, uh, you know, 100 best ads. Mm -hmm. It would be like the number one. So it had this sort of permanency through that. But, uh, but Fido Dino, I had actually completely forgotten to <laughs> mention it then, but now I have the image. But the interesting yeah. thing is like yeah, you yeah. hear it mentioned, and of course it did. Yeah. Well, jingles is the other thing, which seem completely out of fashion nowadays. And uh, but that's it from my childhood. They're the things that I will still mm -hmm. find myself singing. Like randomly. you don't even have a theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to make you a theme tune. Yes, but they, that seems to be something that feels very. Uh, jingles will come back. 
Yeah, I sort of wouldn't see you. I've been trying for about 18 years. Well, to get a jingle one. Yeah. And people just don't want it. No, no one ever wants jingles. Yeah. It's, it's funny because in many ways, the jingle is an answer to a lot of the very kind of multi-layered tasks that we're being given every day. Like, I'm sure you have these conversations as well where it's like, uh, we need the logo to appear in the first three seconds or no one will know yeah. it's ours. Or, uh, you know, what if the person's in another room and... Uh, can't see the screen, but that we still want them to know that it belongs to us and and, re and remember our brand. You, you sort of have to create this one, uh, you know, multi-dimensional piece of work that in two seconds, either at the beginning or the end of it, is going to work with the sound on and off or, or either or both, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, in a weird way, the jingle solves a lot of those problems. You it's get to tell the brand way. story. It's <laughs> memorable. It burrows into your brain. Yeah. And if you're in the kitchen doing the dishes, you can still have a brand experience. Yeah. So yeah, if we take one thing away from this, it's the, it's the, the resurgence of the jingle. We should make it a mission that like <laughs> next year, same time, same place, we come back and do a podcast about all the jingle work that Drogafide has been doing <laughs> exactly. internationally and picking up. Yeah, very good. Uh, but how do you work together? And you've recently, it was independent for a long time and now it's been bought or acquired, what the correct word is, by Accenture. How does it all work in terms of, in terms of making a creative work? I mean, do you interact a lot as a network, and how has it changed with this new setup? We're we're uh, we're independent of each other, but we're friendly. I mean, we're yeah. just, it's just firing emails back and forth, going, "Hey, nice job," and "Hey, <laughs> yeah. great," and stuff like that. So, I know anything about it? It's, like, it's is it a bowler hat or is it a you know? And, or is it a Darby? And it's like uh, bad teeth, uh, tea, terrible weather. Yes. Here are some insights about some Britain. Of these <laughs> no, it's just, no the, the offices are, are very much separate but very friendly. So it's kind of yeah. And then the the Accenture thing. I think people are looking for all the answers right now, but I think that's something that's gradually going to happen over the time. Over time, people ask me how it has affected uh, the London office. And I, my stock answer is that I'm much better at math now. <laughs> and, and then they chuckle and go, no, seriously, how? And I'm like, it's two months in. Right. Right. Calm down, serious. you know? Yeah. Next year, we'll do a podcast about jingles and how the Accenture yeah. deal is going. Yeah. But is it something, because I also often feel there's a kind of narrative around advertising that, that and the kind of myth is that if you're independent, you're pure, I suppose. Oh, which I think crazy. is such bullshit. That was well, the, what I mean. like, that was the thing that drove me crazy about it. It's like, I'm, like all the tweets about people being sad and stuff. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, there's so many shitty independent agencies. Yeah. And it's like really, really bad independent agencies who make terrible work. And then you've got like the, the, the biggest ad agency right now in the UK is Adam and Eve DDB. And they're mm -hmm. part of the Omnicom network. Surprise. And their work is consistently great. Yeah. You're welcome, Richard. Um, <laughs> Rick's a friend. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all relative. Yeah, would you agree, Neil? Yeah, I, look, I mean, I certainly agree with the, it, it's too early to say at this stage because, it, you know, it, it, it's still just the beginning and there's, you know, it kind of feels a lot like we're merging lanes of traffic at the moment, like these 
two very established organizations trying to kind of get to know where the overlaps work and where we can help each other. And, you know, that doesn't change a lot in two months. No, um, and I think, you know, at this stage, so much of it is about the potential. You know, it's, uh, it's a great headline. It, I think people have put a lot of their own meaning onto it. But, you know, I, I kind of am looking forward to seeing what happens as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it is, it's one of those things, I don't know, I've been trying to find the right analogies for it. And it's funny, I was reading last week that uh, Tarantino's finished his script for his Star Trek mm. okay. movie. And it's like, yeah, I'd really like to see that movie. It's really exciting. Um, but there's no movie right now, yeah. you know. And it's a little like what we're going through where the, the potential of these worlds colliding is super interesting and exciting and challenging and, you know, in, in some ways dangerous which is what appeals to our creative sensibility but until we we're actually doing the work and have evidence of of you know how the chemistry is working it we are just talking in hypotheticals you know yeah, yeah, yeah. clients and a lot of creatives are really excited about the opportunity and mm -hmm. the, the potential and that should tell you something the only people who are griping are kind of like the People smoking cigarettes outside, back, out back of the school, and doing kickflips on their skateboards, and we, we know what happens to the cool kids. They, yeah, yeah. they you know, ultimately end up working at kind of. Yeah, But no, your point about Adam and Eve is very true. That I think I don't know. I feel sometimes we have the ad world that there's this kind of desire to create some perfect model that will then be rep can be replicated. And that's the answer to make amazing creative work and sort of successful business work too. And of course, it's very individualized to the of course, individual just, no companies and people. And, yeah. you know, yeah, well, so. I think that's actually why the tension and the chemistry of this pairing is so interesting is that that fundamental wiring is what makes us different and complementary. So, you know, you look at a company like Accenture and a lot of where the industry is going these days. It's all about formulas and repeatability and, you know, getting as much of a guaranteed success rate before the work has been put into the world yeah. than uh, as possible. We're wired completely the opposite way where it's like it needs to be surprising. It needs to be something nobody's done or seen before. Yeah. Originality is everything. And, you know, there is a level of risk involved. And when we can get those things all working in the right balance that's when we're actually doing work that's effective and creative yeah but it, it's a really tough thing to calibrate especially at kind of a global level yeah yeah well yes because the global thing adds an extra layer of complication right because it's again it's interesting what i feel like you're seeing in the ad world now is there'll be some things that are very localized work that's really successful and then there are these global things that maybe are, are what win here that mm -hmm. are huge but when again it's there's no set method is there it's gonna it's gonna vary from client to client so. yeah and i think it also yeah. plays into your question earlier about why you don't see as much comedy you know comedy is a very localized nuanced thing as well and uh you know Creating universally uh, hilarious comedy is is almost impossible. So as as the industry becomes more global, you do get these kind of bigger themes that 
that people can kind of tap into. Tell that to Roberto Benigni. Italy's <laughs> 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 clown. Yeah. All right, I, I think let's let's uh, wrap up. I'm going to cut two kind of quick questions at the end. Like, what makes you the most frustrated about the ad industry and what makes you the most excited about the ad industry at the moment? Uh, I mean, honestly, they're kind of the same thing. The, the, the excitement and the frustration comes out of the fact that we are at this, what feels like a very extreme moment of, of transition. You know, we're trying to process a tremendous amount of change very quickly and hang on to all the points of integrity that have led the industry up to this point. Uh, and molding them to, you know, the changing times that we're in. So there's a lot of frustration because, you know, it, it's hard to keep up with the pace, but the the speed at which things are moving is super exciting as well. And and if we can kind of grab onto that and take that challenge on, then, you know, the, the industry is heading in a, a totally different direction. At the moment, it kind of feels like we're going through a bit of a, a moment of identity crisis, but you know, we're on the verge of solving some things. Yeah, very good. David, how about you? Uh, the most frustrating and the most exciting things. No, I, I guess I, I, I'll just echo Neil's sentiments. I think the, 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 I think it's always good to think bigger picture, but ultimately if you're not focused on the day-to-day, -day, then, then um, you're going to lose in the long run. So just make things as good as you can in the moment. Is that exactly what you said? No, it's a little no. different actually, so yeah. it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Very good. That and the return of jingles, presumably, is the other. Just gonna keep, just get back, <laughs> to my, uh, get back to my piano and uh, <laughs> keep cracking them out. Very good. All right, well, thank you both for doing this. It's been really interesting and illuminating to talk to you about it all. Uh, and you can read more about Droga 5 and about Can Lions on the Creative Review website at creativereview.co.uk. Thank you. Thank you.